13, verses 11 to 32. Would you please all rise as I read from God's Word? Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, You kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. May God bless the reading of his word. Please be seated. I was reading recently an account about a, a hospital CEO who was uh, 
CEO of a very large hospital. And a, his secretary came into his office and said, there is a very distraught woman out in the, out in the uh, antechamber that wants to speak with you. And he said, well, well, bring her in. And she came in, and through tears, she told about how her mother had passed away in that hospital just a few days ago. And when they, when they took her body to the funeral home, they realized that her wedding ring was gone. And, and so they, they said, uh, you know, could you, could you look around and could you find the wedding ring? Because her, her husband, my father, of over 50 years, they've been married for over 50 years, the last thing he wanted to do was be able to put the ring onto his wife's hand before they buried her. And he, he, they went down to the, to, to the ward where she was, had been kept for many days, and they said, she was in here for a long time and she lost a considerable amount of weight. They said, probably what's taken place is the ring fell off of her finger while, after she'd lost weight. And so they looked around, they looked underneath things, they couldn't find it. And he went back to, the, back to this woman and said, oh, we're so sorry, we, but we just, we've looked everywhere and we can't find the ring. And she was very, you know, again, very emotional and went back home and the CEO went back up to his office and he continued to work, but there was still this nagging at his heart as he, he needed to go back and he, there was maybe some other place that he needed to look. And as he walked down the hall, his, his glance went to the, uh, against the wall. There was a, a laundry chute where they would take the laundry, the linens and the, and the different things from the, from the ward, and they would open up the laundry bin, laundry chute, and they would put the clothes down the chute. And so he made his way down to the basement, down to where the chute came out, and there was this mound of, of laundry. And he proceeded to wade into the laundry and to begin to separate the laundry and to begin to look. And it wasn't too long, and he came up with the ring. He said, there was no greater joy than to be able to call up this lady and to tell her, we found the ring. Something of great value was missing that deserved an all-out effort to find. As we open up Luke chapter 15, gee, there is a storm that is brewing. Because the Pharisees, they are, they are very angry at Jesus. Because here's the phrase that they use. They say in verse 1, Now tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered. They said, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Unheard of. Because in that culture and in that day, to eat with people and especially to, to welcome them, it was seen as wrong because it's like you're accepting what it is that they do. Jesus never did that. He loved people. He loved them for where they were. But he never called them to stay where they were. He always called them to become part of his kingdom. But they were grumbling. And in response to this, Jesus gives three parables. The parable of the lost, of the lost sheep. Ninety-nine are there and one is gone. And he talks about the shepherd left the 99 and went to find. The woman with the 10 coins and one is gone. She swept the floor. She put on the lights and looked all around till she found it. And then also the parable of the prodigal son. But in all three of these parables, something of great value is missing that deserved an all-out effort to find. And when it was found, there was great joy. Great joy when it was found. And so Jesus comes to this last parable this parable of the prodigal son that I want to look at this morning. And this, the parable of the prodigal son begins with a request. And it begins here where it says, it says, there was a man who had two sons. This parable is about two sons, not about one. There are two sons in here. One that left home and one who stayed, but his heart had left a long time ago. 
We don't often think about the older brother in this. But there are two sons. And Jesus talks about there was a man who had two sons. And the the younger of the two said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. Kenneth Kenneth Bailey, in his work, his seminal work, The Cross and the Prodigal, if you are a teacher, if you are doing any work at all, having to do with the Gospels, having to do with, uh, having to do with Mediterranean culture, Bedouin culture, Arab, Arab culture, you want to pick up anything that Kenneth Bailey writes. Anything. He was over 40 years as, a, as an instructor in Egypt, in Syria, in, in, um, in Israel as well. He knows the, the Bedouin culture. He knows the, the culture of the, of the people of that time. And he posed this question to the, to the, to the people of, of whether they were Bedouin, whether they were people in the city. Has this ever happened where a younger son has come to the father and said to the father, give me my portion of the estate. I'm going to deal with that whole little sentence there in a, in a minute. And they said, no, it is absolutely unheard of. What would have happened if somebody would have said something like that? And they said, the father would have beaten that son to within an inch of his life because he had, so, he had so humiliated him. Because what is this son asking for? He's asking, he's saying, I wish you were dead. I wish you were dead because then I could have my portion of this day. And it's interesting. When he says here, he says, there was a young man who had two, had, had two sons. The younger said to the father, Father, give me my what? You notice he doesn't say Inheritance. In, in the Greek, it is, a long, it is a long phrase when if he would have said just inheritance, it's just really one word. It's a very simple sentence. So why does he do all this circling around? Because in his heart, he wants no share of the inheritance. Come on in, folks. Welcome, welcome. Because in his heart, he wants no share of the inheritance. Because to say, give me my inheritance, is to say, I want to be, be responsible. I want to be with you, and I want to be part of what's going on here in the state, the estate until you should pass away. But he wants none of that. What he wants at, at that time is his share of the estate, is his, is his share, so that he can go out and do what? And what does it say? It says that he went out from there, he, so, he, so the father divided his property between them. Let me go back to that for a second. It says, the father divided his inheritance between them. The father is one of two choices. He has one of two choices at, at this time. The first choice, and this is one of your fill-in-the-blanks here, is the first choice is to write the son off. I, I, another term in, I, I've been hearing around here is to sack this son. Is to just literally to say, you, you are no longer my child. Or he can choose the way of suffering. He can choose the way of suffering. And this is the route that he takes. This isn't the first time this is, this is going to come up in this in the text. For God to reconcile, for God to, to, to do what he needs to do in our lives, it cost him. This parable is about costly love. The costly love of the father towards his sons. The costly love of the father towards us as well. For God to reconcile us into a relationship, it cost him. But he took the way of suffering. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4 and 5 says that, For we all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has done what? What does it say? Oh, I read the wrong one. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. 
But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. For God to do what he needed to do to bring about reconciliation between man and God, there needed to be a cross. And yet God was willing to take that step to bring us into that relationship with him, to make that step. And the sun goes off, and what does he do? The sun goes off, and, and he, it says in verse, verse 4, excuse me, verse 13, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. In this day and age, what this son would probably have received was not money. It would have been land. And land in this culture was everything. People could go back generation after generation after generation and be able to tell when this land was purchased and this land came down through this person and down through this person. You never, you never sold off land. But this father would have given this son probably property. And the son, he would have been able to, he would have sold it. But how would it, at what price would he have sold it? He's trying to get out. When we sold our home in America, the people who bought our home knew we were getting ready to come here to Hong Kong and we had a date that we were looking at to come to Hong Kong. So we were kind of over a barrel because they knew, okay, these people got to get out of here. We can, we can manipulate this price a little bit for them. That was tough. And here they, these people know that he's wanting to leave. And so the price that he gets is probably paltry in comparison to what he could have gotten. But still, that aside, for this son to sell property, for this son to do what he did, it not only goes against the father, it not only shamed the father, and here this is so important, it not only shames the father, but it shames the whole village. And those of you who are here from Africa, this is probably something that you would know very, very well. You don't just shame the one person. You shame the whole. And this is what this son had done when he went off. And it said that he went off and he squandered. It says there that he went off, set off for a distant country, and squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. Oh, while he was having the money, he had lots of friends, lots of people around him. But as soon as all the money was gone, so were the friends. And it said there was a famine in the land. And it said he began to be hungry. He began to be in need. And verse 15 and 16 said, So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Now remember, what is the son? Who is the son? He's Jewish. He's not a Gentile. What's going on here? There's another cultural thing behind the scenes. The person who hired him probably didn't want to hire him, didn't want to have him around. And so he gave him the worst job possible, knowing that, okay, he's not going to be around here long. But the son, this son, he stayed there and he worked. And listen to what it says. He sent him to the, to the fields to feed the pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. And the next verse is huge. It says in verse 17, when he came to his census. Why would God allow us to walk in the direction that away from him? Why would this father allow the son to go in the direction that he went? Why does God give us a free will? Because will God allow us to go in the direction where we say, God, hang it on your beak. I don't want to have anything to do with you. I'm going to go and I'm going to do what I want to do with my life. And you're not going to tell me any different. Could God step in and just cause us to stop in our tracks right there? He could. But there are times when God allows us. We have a free will. Why? 
Because God desires that the love that we show towards him is not forced. He says, whoever has my commands and obeys them, John 14, 21. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he's what? He is the one who loves me. He is the one who loves me. If we have trouble following the commands of God and being obedient towards God, it's not an obedience problem. It's a love problem that we have towards God. And here this son, he came to his senses. How, for some of us, we come to that place where we say, how in the world did I ever get to this place where I'm at? Ever been there? You're, you're, you've been going through something, you've been walking away from God, and you, you're sitting or you're sleeping in bed one night, and you wake up or you can't sleep. And you, you begin thinking about all the stuff that's been going on in your life. And you think, how in the world did I ever get to this place? Do you know that there are several books of the Bible that are written for that express purpose? In the Hebrew Bible, it doesn't end with Malachi. The Hebrew Bible ends with second, First and Second Chronicles. First and Second Chronicles is written to the, to the exiles in Babylon. It's written to the exiles in Babylon to say, how, they're, they're asking the question, how did we get in Babylon? This is how you got here. You walked away from the Lord God. Sometimes it isn't until, until we hit absolute rock bottom that we ask the question, how in the world did I get here? And this son is at that place. He's at rock bottom. I mean, he's out there feeding the pigs. He's starving to death. And that is what leads him to his next, to his next thing that he says. It says, when he came to his senses, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? What's the impetus? What, what is it that, that leads him to, to go back home? Is it because he's repentant in his heart? No. It's because he's hungry. He says, how many of my father's servants have food to spare? And he says, I'm out here starving to death. He says, I, this is what I'll do. I will set out, verse 18, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Does he mean that? Not for a second. Now, we're going to see why. He says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. What is he saying there? He says, I, 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 God, Dad, I have blown it. I have made a big mistake. I've gone off. I squandered everything that you gave me. Um, but I'm going to pay it back to you. Every dime, I'm going I'm to pay it all back to you. I'm going to work hard. You just hire me on. What is he doing? I, I'm going to work this out. Can we ever pay the price for what it is that we've done? Can we ever do that? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. When we come before God, when, when God arrests our heart, and we realize, what in the world am I doing here? I have walked away from God. Will God receive us back? Okay, let me ask that a little louder. Will God receive us back? Absolutely, you take that to the bank. God the Father, because when this son comes out, he's contrived this whole story. About, okay, this is what I'm going to say. And I wonder how many times he practiced it on the way back. But his whole, his whole reason for going back is not because he's repentant. It's because his stomach is empty. And he says, I'm, I'm going to pay it all back. I'll, I'll, I'll take care. I'll make it all right. When we repent, when God speaks to our hearts, what is God looking for? He's looking for honesty. How did you get here? 
Does God ever, in his grace and mercy, ask us that question or pose that question to us? How how, how did you get here? Do you enjoy where it is that you're at? Come home. Come home. Will God receive us back? This this next is, is just so huge. When he comes back, it says, when he came to his senses, he came back. Um, excuse me, let me get to the next page. And it says, so he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long ways off from his father, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. Was filled with compassion for him. But while, uh, was filled with compassion and ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. When the father sees his son, he does three things. The first one is that he runs. He runs. What's the big deal with that? In a Middle Eastern culture, men over 40 did not run. Why? You've got to hike up your pants. You've got to hike up your robe. And you show off your legs. For me, they're really, really white. But they would have had to show off their, they would have showed off their legs in order to run. That was humiliating. Men over 40 did not run. And for this man to run to his son... It would have gotten the attention of the village. But not only does he run, but what else does it say that he did? He kisses his son. Now remember, what's his son been doing? He's been working with the hogs, with the pigs. I don't know if, uh, where, where my dear wife was from in, in the part of the United States, in, in Iowa. They raised a lot of pigs in that area. Mm. Mm. It's not the most aromatic of, of smells. And this guy would have worked with pigs. And yet, can you imagine what he, what he must have looked like and smelled like? And yet, the father, what does he do? It said he kissed him. And in the Greek here, it's he kissed him, and he kissed him, and he kissed him, and he kissed him. He kept on. Have you ever missed somebody so much that you can't wait to put your arms around? 19 days, but who's counting? 19 days till we get to go back to the United States. I almost said home. We get to go back to the United States and put our arms around our grandchildren. I cannot wait. And my kids keep sending me pictures of the grandkids. It's like, I can't wait to go home and go on holiday, with the, be able to go back to the United States and go on holiday again, and to be able to kiss my little grandchildren, be able to put my arms around my kids. I have missed them. I've missed them terribly. But this is home. But this father, he missed his son. He loved his son. I was reading a, a story, rather humorous. Uh, in the United States, I don't know if they do it here in Hong Kong, but uh, on, on the light post, many times they're, they're made out of wood, and they will take and put a, uh, a, a poster on there, of the son, missing. And a lot of times if the dog is missing or something, they'll put it up there and they'll say, dog missing reward. Well, here was a reward. True story. This guy, he says, it was a large reward for this dog. And he says, the dog is, got, is blind in one eye. He's only got one ear. He's got three legs. His to- tail is, is kinked because it was broken. And he's almost all the way deaf. And they said, he answers to the name Lucky. And it's like, the dog is anything but Lucky. But this, fa- this owner, he loved his dog so much, he wanted him back. This father loved his son so much, he was looking for him. He was looking down the road. This son is coming down the road, and he's practicing. He's practicing what it is he's going to say to his dad. And the dad, the father in this case, sees the son and runs to the son. But he doesn't just run. When he comes to him, he kisses him. Do you notice what it says in verse 21? In verse 21, let me get that for us here. It says, the son said to his father, watch what he says. Before he says, 
When I come home, he says, Father, I sinned against you. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. That's what he initially had been practicing the whole way there. Now listen to what he says in verse 21. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Period. What made the change? I posit to you what made the change was the attitude of the father. The father when he received him back. The father in the way in which he received him back. Because what else does he do? He not only runs to him, he not only kisses him, but he restores him. How did he show his restoration to this son? Verse 22, the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Whose robe would have been the best robe? The father. The father's robe. That's going to become important in just a little bit. It's the father's robe. And he said, not only that, put a ring on his finger. The ring symbolized he was back in the family. It was the signet ring. The ring that they would have used. I mean, he's giving this son full rights to the family back again. And he says, put sandals on his feet. Only servants went in this culture went without shoes. He says, put shoes back on his feet. Can you imagine what this son must have felt like? All of this commotion around him. And his father doing this for this son. I was reading an article. It was a uh, story. um, It comes out of a Middle Eastern culture where a son son got in with a bunch of other boys who were pretty bad. And these these boys, uh, they encouraged, they were were looking for some money. And the boy, who one of the, okay, father had the boy, and the boy, he said, oh, my dad's got all kinds of money. And the kid said, yeah, we know. He said, where's the money? Oh, he said, oh, it's, it's right here in the house. And he says, well, let's steal your dad's money. And the kid said, oh, all right. You know, my dad's not very nice to me. Well, we'll go ahead and we'll steal the money. So as they were trying to steal the money from the home, the father came in with several of his guards. And the other boys, they were able to get out the window. But only the son was left in the room. And the son said, I'm so sorry, dad. I'm so sorry. I, I'm sorry to have done this to you. Uh, please, please forgive me. And the father forgave his son right there. And they had a great banquet. Great banquet for the son. And everyone from the village, all the men of the village were there. And they had a sumptuous meal. And at the end of the meal, the father stood up with a cup of wine. And everybody else in the room raised their glass of wine. And he said, my son is now home. My son is now forgiven. And they all drank their their wine down. And when the son drank his down... As soon as he was done drinking it, his head fell on the table. He had been poisoned. And the father looked around the room, and everybody in the room just shook their head. Now, now justice had been done. Now the family's name had been cleared, and honor had been restored to the family. It's absolute opposite from what, from what we find in this account. When the son comes home, what does the father say? He says, kill the fatted calf. He said, my son is home. My son who was dead is now alive again. And they have the banquet. And now here's where we have the last turn. Because when they come to the banquet, it said, meanwhile, the older son was in the field. He wouldn't have been working in the field. This was a wealthy family. This was a wealthy family. He's probably overseeing. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. It's interesting. When the son asks for his part of the estate, where is the older brother? He's nowhere to be found. 
That's telling in this, in this culture. Because when there were disagreements between the father and another one of the children, the oldest son was the one who was the mediator of that family. And at a banquet such as this, the people would have been served by the oldest son. Because it was, it was saying, it was the father's way of saying to the guests, you are so special here that my own son, my eldest son, my heir, will be the one who will serve you. Where's the older son? He's nowhere to be found. He's out in the field. And when he comes back, this is interesting. He says, your bro- meanwhile, the older brother was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked, what is going on? Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. Go to the next slide, please. The older brother became angry and refused. That is going to become huge in a minute. Refused to come in. So the father went out. This is the second time now the father chooses the way of suffering. Because for the father to go out to the son, to beg the son to come in, was humiliating for the father. But yet here the father goes out to the son, goes out to the older son. Normally, again, when Kenneth Bailey asked this question of people, well, what would have happened? Normally, the father would have sent men out to him and either compelled him to come in or would have had him beaten and then brought back in. Because how dare he refuse to do what the father had asked him to do? But the father goes out and he again speaks to the son. And he says, my son, the father says, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because your brother, this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found. When Jesus said this, I can imagine what the Pharisees must have been thinking. Because who was this pointed to? This was pointed to the Pharisees. Because what was their problem? What was sticking in their craw at this point was this. They were people who were doing all the right things. But they were very far away from God. Very far away from God. They kept all the rules. They kept all the regulations. But yet their hearts were far from Him. Not only that, in their hearts, they couldn't reconcile the fact that how could God love people like a tax collector? How could God love people who are sinners? How could God, ex- how could God extend grace to them? Scandalous grace. In November, we're going to be looking at Jonah, and that was Jonah's problem as well. How could God do this? How could God extend grace? How could God extend mercy? And what the Pharisees don't understand is this, is the same grace that is extended to the younger brother is the same grace that was being, that was being extended, if it would have been received, to the older brother as well. This parable ends with no answer. This parable ends unresolved. Because it, it we're, we're made to think, well, what would I do in this situation? And in this situation, God does what? He extends grace upon grace upon grace, doesn't he? Did it cost the father greatly to love, the, to love that child and to bring him back? It absolutely did. As we just celebrated communion this morning, we celebrated the costly love of the father towards us. If you're falling asleep here, this is a really good time to wake up. Because the costly love of the father is this. He moved heaven and earth so that we could have a relationship with Him. And I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what it is you're involved with. God's the one who knows our hearts, doesn't He? But the encouraging thing of this is there is no place that you can go where God, that God won't forgive you for that. 
that God won't bring you back into that relationship because sometimes you think, God, there's no way that God could ever love me. There's no way that God could ever forgive me or accept me back into this relationship with him. And nothing could be farther from the truth. God deeply loves you. Did you hear that? God deeply loves you. There's nothing you can do to make God love you any more. There's nothing you can do to make God love you any less. He loves you. And God loves you from eternity past and on into eternity. His love has no beginning for you. It has no end for you. If you are away from God this morning, and you've been listening to the sermon here this morning, maybe God has spoken to your heart and saying, come home. You're involved with something and you think there's no hope. I mean, I've dug myself so deeply into this hole that that I can't ever get out. Does God know where you're at? Is God the one who's willing to be there to walk with you as you come out of that hole? He absolutely is. We need to make that step towards him. And the moment we make that step, the moment we make that turn towards him, it is God the Father who runs to us. Amen? It is God the Father who runs to us. And when we confess that sin, he is the one who, who, who calls for, he is the one who not only showers us with, that, with his love, but he is the one who restores us. Do we deserve that? Absolutely not. We don't deserve it. But we get it because of his grace because of his mercy. Amen? Amen. Do we have trouble? Do we have trouble when God extends grace to people that we don't think deserve it? Because when we're tempted to feel that way, we need to remember the same grace that God extended to that person is the same grace that God has extended to you. And this morning, if you are away from God, maybe God has been talking about something Um, as God has been speaking to your heart, come back to him. In repentance, be honest with him. In repentance, be honest with him. Don't don't try and do like the the son here and and make up all this story. God knows your heart. And God is the one who's waiting and the one who's willing to bring about forgiveness or to bring about restoration and healing. But he calls for honesty on our part. Is there something you've been doing that God would say, that needs to stop? Is there something that you're not doing that God says, you need, to, you need to start this? Is there a relationship that needs restoration and healing? God is the one that can help us in the midst of that time. God's grace, God's costly love for us, shown for us at the cross. Would you join me in prayer? Father, thank you for your word this morning. And precious Father, thank you for, for leaving us this record for leaving us this account of your costly love for us. Something of great value was missing that deserved an all-out effort to find. And Jesus, you moved heaven and earth. You came to this earth and became just like us. You became obedient unto the Father, even obedient unto death and death on the cross. Your word says that having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with you, Father, because of the sacrifice of your Son. We have peace with you because you were the one who made the way possible. Father in heaven, I pray. I pray this morning. I don't know where we're at. I don't know what's been going on in our heart. But I know that, God, you are the one that knows and you are the God who is waiting to bring about restoration and healing. You are the God who is wanting to forgive. 
And I pray that, God, as you've spoken to our hearts, that we will, in honesty, turn to you and ask God for that forgiveness that that you will give. And know, God, that you will forgive. I thank you for your promises. And I thank you, God, for your spirit. And I pray all this, Father, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. 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 May the God of grace and the God of peace, the God who forgives and the God who cleanses our heart, may he be the one that goes with you this week and may his blessing rest on you. Wherever it is that you go, some of you are going to leave here and go to different places around the world. May the grace and the mercy of God go with you. And may the places that you go, may Christ be seen in your life. In Jesus' precious name.